0: Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walden. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D-Love podcast will revolutionize your life.
1: Welcome to the 3 and D-Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go.
0: Thank you, Michael. All right, Michael, it is me and you tonight. We have a, a last minute. Uh, Ryan couldn't join us. I, uh, was it a hamstring injury or when you're the father of three young kiddos and something comes up with the kids?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, the hamstring, I mean, it was a real hamstring injury. It wasn't the James Harden type of hamstring injury. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm sure, Ryan, we miss, we'll miss you tonight, and uh,
0: we'll see you back next week absolutely all right michael well uh we got a lot to cover here the drama of the nba season continues to build as we have about six weeks left in the regular season as always it's going by very quickly uh but i think it would be good michael if we take a step back and take a a bird's eye view of the season so far and really in my view everything in the season has gone as expected uh Apart, or with the exception of the <laughs> Lakers and Nets being on the verge of missing the postseason, the uh, the Heat being the best team in the East, Memphis now being number two in the West, John Morant being compared to Iverson, and even MJ, maybe a little overkill on the MJ part, but. <laughs> the uh, the Suns having an eight-game lead in the Western Conference, email Udoka turning things around in Boston after continually. Berating his team in the media, maybe the Phil Jackson uh, approach works. Uh, the uh, the Cavs and the Bulls uh, being a monster amongst the contenders in the East. Wait, is it 2011? <laughs> and the collapse of the Blazers. Oh wait, we saw that one coming. Uh, maybe just uh, a little bit. That one. That one didn't surprise us. But well, uh, I think it reminds us. as drama. William
1: Goldman always said, right? You know, none of us know anything.
0: Exactly. That uh, We've been stating that over and over again because it continues to prove true. Nobody knows anything, but that's what makes the NBA so great. It's it's live drama at its best. Uh, Speaking of live drama, I don't know if you heard about this, Michael, but um, we have some breaking news to share for the anxiety-riddled Golden State fans. Uh, Yes, as we know, things have been unraveling since Draymond has been out, but James Wiseman has been cleared to play in two G League games. Wow. He is he <laughs> has graduated beyond three on three? He has. So just in time to save the season. Uh, oh, and Draymond might be back uh, soon as well. So, you know, that's a nice little yeah, I thought you were going to say that Iguodala was back, man. <laughs> well, I assume they. Well, maybe he will get himself out of. Oh, shoot, where is he? he the guy travels around a lot. He's with Miami. Iggy. Yeah. Where's Iggy? He's in golden state. Oh, that's right. He's, He's back. Been He's minutes.
1: back. He's been six minutes since January 1st. I think I mean, the, the guys in bubble wrap, the I forgot. The playoffs.
0: Sorry. Little mental lapse. It's been a long week. Iggy is back. Uh, and the favorite to win finals MVP, if they can make it there. That would uh, be, so it'd be
1: great. I, I kind of hope the Warriors win the title just so that Curry will not win MVP, finals
0: MVP again and it continues to be a conversation about his legacy. <laughs> right, right, right. Forget that he really should have won that in 2015. But uh, So we had a big matchup over the weekend in the Eastern Conference as the number one uh, Miami Heat faced off against the team that many are predicting will come out of the East, the 76ers. And what did we learn from this heavyweight matchup? absolutely nothing as doc decided to not play his cards too early and he sat james harden keeping us in suspense i guess i don't know was that a strategic move by doc to not tip his hand
1: i think doc has has uh, enough issues of his own at this point to to not be too concerned about revealing you know how Joel and beat and james harden are going to play and i mean really is there any mystery in how the 76ers are going to show up in the playoffs I mean, they're going to foul bait the entire game, and either they're going to have forty free throws or they're going to lose. I mean, I think that's a pretty, right. pretty, pretty foregone conclusion at this point. But right. uh, you know, they're they're a team that I think has been fun to watch them come together, and simultaneously, I don't want to watch them in the playoffs. Like, I just, it's oh, like really? both and at the same time.
0: Really, what do you think about the uh, the rise of uh, of Maxi? I mean, he's well, been killing it. He's been a nice is funny uh, third wheel he, there.
1: I think you sometimes you see these guys like this that that they they're playing these specific roles and they and they're really willing to thrive in them and then an entire different component of their skill set comes unlocked when you get them in what clearly is the right space right i mean Maxi was playing point guard he'd kind of forced into this role and he really partnered well because of simmons's inadequacy you know and unwillingness to really join the team and now he's playing off the ball more and you, you get to do all the things he's really good at and he doesn't have to manage all the stuff that he was actually doing an admirable job of but not quite yeah. to the level that you need as an elite point guard. I mean it's not unlike Devin Booker sort of thriving when Paul shows up, right? I mean but the Booker experiment as a point guard was something the Suns did and I think it's actually really benefited his skill set, but what it's happened now is he gets to be off the ball consistently and really do his do his thing scoring and kind of playing in the mid-range and creating uh, and it's just it's fun when players get to evolve that way kind of beyond
0: what their initial pigeonhole is right it's like when you have a quarterback who actually has a decent offensive line and then you find out that oh he's actually a pretty good player uh. yeah right I mean that's you see these guys I mean it so rarely
1: happens but you know you see these guys get an opportunity in these new new situations obviously Matt Stafford being the most recent one but you know they, they clearly, have you know the right mix and it'll be fascinating to see again as the playoffs come i think there's a lot there's so many different variances that are upon us and and how a lot of these teams sort of approach each other right and indeed brings so many problems but simultaneously how do they are going to be able to defend other teams in, in in some of the ways that maybe they're weaker right and that's you know you, you over the weekend you also had the nets and the celtics facing off which you know, the Nets are navigating some challenges. Simmons isn't back yet. And the Celtics are kind of like the best team in the East for the last three months. And, and meanwhile, Tatum goes for 54. (laughs) And all of a sudden you're like, wow, like the Celtics, you know, are they here to stay in a way that's different than maybe we expected them to be. And especially early on. I mean, I think we're on the record. The 3D love podcast is on the record suggesting that Nima Yudoka might not have the magic. Right. I mean, it was sort of concerned six to eight weeks ago. And all of a sudden now they're like, They're, they're, you know, they're almost, they're 12 games over 500 and they're trying to, they might end up in the third seed.
0: No, it's very true. But don't forget, Michael, who was on the record first for their coach of the year prediction, Ime Udoka. That was, that was my call. (laughs) You never wavered, right? You're just like, Bill Vikings, (laughs)
1: Portland State strong.
0: Yeah. It was my version of the Hawks from last year, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, it wasn't looking too good there for a while. But wait, as far as the 76ers D, can't uh, Matisse Thybul take care of all that by himself? He he's got that covered.
1: I think he's actually I mean, he really does. He's, he's he he is otherworldly defensively. But I mean, what do you what what is your vision for Thybul in the playoffs? Cuz I just we've seen these guys show up in the playoffs at times and they just the scheming becomes so intentional, right? Whether it's offensively kind of hunting weak defensive players or you know, defensively, of just not guarding bad offensive players, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. the, the weaknesses are exaggerated, um, in, in in such a substantial way in the playoffs. I mean, do you think Dybala is going to be able to play substantial minutes? I mean, he plays a pretty substantial role uh-huh. right now, but mm-hmm. I just get confer- concerned that we've got like double Cephalosha two point oh here. And <laughs> no, obviously, I, a much better defender, I have, but like can't, I a...
0: do, can't can't do anything offensively. I have a perfect answer for that. He has been sandbagging all along the last couple of years offensively for this moment. <laughs> this is his moment. It's not that he like he doesn't lack offensive coordination. I mean, he just doesn't seem to care. He's just like, he doesn't ever want the ball. He just kind of stands there. But he can make three-pointers. He doesn't look bad when he's going to the hoop he's just never really been engaged at all offensively. So <laughs> I get it. Like he averages like three points a game, but it's all been, it's, it's all part of doc's master strategy. It's like, you're going to, you're going to lay low until the moment arrives. When we we're going to get Harden. Uh, we got maxi rolling. You're going to be the secret weapon. You just move around a little bit. You will know, teach them when it's appropriate to cut and go to the hoop more. But, uh, I think he's going to shock us. Secret weapon, and it's why the Sixers are going to win the title. But are you on the record? Are you on the record that the Sixers are the favorites in the East? No, I, I honestly, uh, right when that trade hop happened, we didn't do a pod for a little bit. But I, my gut reaction was, the 76ers are going to win the NBA championship. Wow! I, I have not said it publicly or privately, but I believe well, you're
1: it. On the record now. I'm this on is, the record. This is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> This is incredible because, I mean, it is an interesting situation, right? It, it you know, the ant- one of the answers to me about Theibel specifically, I mean, a guy who plays 25 minutes a game, but when you when you only have, I think what we've seen is when you have, like, a bad offensive player, if they can bring to the table such substantial other skills, rebounding, defense, shot blocking, whatever it is, in a way that is transcendent or really impacting, whether it's Tony Allen or Cephalosia to a lesser degree, if you don't have any other bad offensive players along with them, mm-hmm. then it's actually, you can kind of survive it, right? I mean, right, The, right, the right. issues is when you start to get down to like three and a half or three offensive players versus, right, when you have four offensive players, whether it's like Maxi and Harris and yeah, Harden. Yeah, that makes and four. Embiid, yeah. all of a sudden you have four. And, and, and the two of them are like otherworldly, right? I mean, yeah. Harden and Embiid are like, you know, in their own. You know they're in their own unique echelon, along with a few other guys, of how effective and efficient they are offensively, largely yeah. predicated on their foul drawing. And so that's to me where the answer can lie: is they can continue to maintain the defense with a guy like Dybala and Embiid too, um, and and still maintain the kind of an offensive you know firepower where they they may be able to score enough. I mean that that, yeah. that is the thing that I think gives me hope for them. In the Eastern Conference playoffs, and, and ultimately in competing for a title, I mean, where I think some of the rest of the conference has these deficiencies on the offense or defense, where I get pretty concerned about their ability in the playoffs. When again, the the magnifying glass gets kind of shined on those weaknesses, right? right. I mean, I think regular like season, call, yeah, exactly. I mean, Boston has these issues where you're kind of like, you know, is is that kind of full roster ready to sort of step into these situations, the Cavs or the, or the are in, I mean, even to a more substantial degree, right? Like Darius Garland's amazing. And I, I was reading an article that were, yeah. he was, Sheesh. he was included in a conversation about like, I think Tim BonTEMPS did like a straw poll that was like, rank these six point guards. And it was like Doncic, jaw, Trey young, SGA, Lamelo, And then mm-hmm. Darius Garland was included. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, he's right there. I mean, I mean I appreciate that include the inclusion. I don't think he's in that echelon of this, particularly the first four guys, but um, it, you know, not far off. though. He's had a great, see what he did tonight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I yeah. think that he's had a great year and you still, I still kind of get, get concerned about Cleveland in the playoffs where again, their calling card has been defense, which again, can translate. I mean, we saw the heat in the bubble kind of get to the finals on a similar sort of structure but I just wonder if they're going to have enough firepower when just getting buckets at a certain point in the playoffs was really matters, right? The, yeah. the, the, beautiful game spurs are kind of a long way gone. And, and only a few teams can really harness that where I don't know beyond again, beyond Garland, what Cleveland can do to really manufacture buckets when it gets tight like that. Right. Whereas like the bulls are really interesting to me. They're really bad against good teams and mm-hmm. they're, they're really bad defensively largely. Um, You know, they don't play a a true defensive center. Vucevic can't really protect the rim. Markkanen's getting kind of substantial minutes. DeRozan is not exactly a plus defender. You know, Levine isn't. Obviously, Ball and Caruso have been hurt for, you know, the last 30 games or so. But they're interesting because, you know, a guy like DeRozan, who's been so incredibly efficient as a mid-range player, that translates, right? I mean, that's sort of the aura and the mystique around Kobe, right, is that he was he was able to get buckets even though, you know, the analytics geeks kind of criticize his ability to score efficiently. It, it carries, it translates in a way in the playoffs that you can get those buckets when the games get tight. And, I, and I'm curious, you know, the 120, 119 games of the regular season sort of start to kind of go by the wayside because – you have all the best players playing forty minutes a night, all the best players defending hard, all the best players really trying their hardest. I mean, that's sort of the dirty little secret, right? Is that you know, in the regular season having no bad players helps. And in the playoffs, having really, really good players is what really matters, right? It's like and that that kind of in that inflection point is a serious difference maker. And I have my skepticism from the Bulls, but a guy like DeRozan, again, is a guy who does translate. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you and, and the Sixers have that also. Um, where there's some of these other teams I think have a bit more skepticism. And that's, you know, and that's where the, the Nets continue to get to carry their hope, right, is that if Simmons comes back, they get the hopefully the defensive lift along with Durant, and then offensively Kyrie, I mean, goes for 50 tonight, and all of a sudden, you know, you have, you have Kyrie and Durant and all this supporting cast where they look a bit more like they're supposed to, right? If, even though they've If even they if, can get in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, if they can get in the playoffs.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you see that uh, Jared Allen broke his finger too. That's a that's a big loss for the Cavs. I don't yes. know. He might yes. be back in playoffs, but but that hurts. They they did just get him back. The other thing I was gonna say about the Sixers, I do like that they have a little bit of offensive punch off the bench with Milton, uh, I know they're not like nothing to write home about, but you know to have a little bit of firepower there too. And the wing defenders, obviously Dyebull, but Danny Green if he's healthy. So I, I just think they're the most complete team, but Brooklyn is definitely the most intriguing team. I mean, we can't with Milwaukee being defending champs. Uh, I think we're we're not gonna write them off yet too, and we know what Miami's doing. But um, Chicago seems like they just can't beat any good teams. is uh, isn't that the getting...
1: weirdest thing though. Like is it just they're like a they're like a really good bad team? Like they, yeah, they, they just beat all the teams they're supposed to. You know, and you're right. Like, I don't, it's so curious to see how this all shakes out. And I think this is where the seeding in a particularly unique year where there's so much parody is so fun. I mean, it, this, that all the games are going to matter. And, and, yeah. and the weirdest thing is because of the play in, you know, the one two shakeup that is not nearly as valuable as it's been in the past either, right? Cause it's just, you don't know, you know, you might want to be the two seed. Because all of a sudden in the 7-8 play-in game, right, one one of those teams wins, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Nets, you might be like, oh, I'm the Heat. I don't want to oh, be the yeah, one seed. I yeah, don't want to get the Nets. And if the Nets yeah. win that one play-in game, they're the seven seed.
0: Yeah, that's like, a good it's point. It's pretty
1: funny that, you know, there's this, there's this clear break point at six in the conference, and you have the Raptors and the Nets, which are just – I mean, the Raptors are going to be a pain in the ass to play against no matter what. I mean, they throw you yeah. – I mean, you know, Ryan's like – the love affair of like just throwing like five six nine guys or four six nine guys in fred van vliet at you right fred van vliet's like shooting appetites like 19 shots 17 threes it's like the just it's every like pickup player's dream but uh you know they're a pain in the rear to play and then you have the nets at the same time and and you don't. know I mean those two teams could miss the playoffs and they could simultaneously be seven or eight and what a reward right the miami heat sort of slog through this season are a bit underpowered offensively. So I'm curious to see how that translates in the playoffs, but bam seems to all be back, depot back now. Yeah. Well, we'll see we'll see how that holds up. But I think yeah. Bam is like the guy who really has stepped into, the he became more of the player we all thought he was versus yeah. this sort of middling sort of deferential sort of defensive center that he's been kind of the last six months and obviously been hurt on and off too. Uh, but what a reward, right? You win the, you kind of slog through 82 games, you win the Eastern Conference, and you're rewarded with playing KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons in the first round. Like, I mean, that's what a just war
0: that'll be. Yeah, that's brutal. Maybe the Bulls are just, uh, maybe they're sandbagging for that reason to avoid playing them. But, you know, Brooklyn is really, I mean, we joke about it, but they're only, I think the difference between them and the team that would be out of the play-in, which is uh, your Wizards, they're only like, I think three games going into tonight. Tonight at least, there was only three games separating them. It's I mean, now that Durant is back, and I mean they should be fine. But it's kind of a it's a little dangerous territory there for them right now. It's certainly touch and go. They're man. flirting exactly. with disaster.
1: That's what's so. It's just again, I, 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 we talked, we talked about this multiple times this year. But I think the the bat the cat is out of the bag with some of this regular season stuff where. It, it is clearly not nearly as important as it's been treated in the past. Right. You know, you know, Curry, you have Curry on the record last week saying like, I don't care about seed anymore. All I want is like, you know, I want us to be like full strength in the playoffs. Right. It's like these, these teams have all realized that rest and, and sort of roster management manage, matters in the current day, much more than running out of gas as you reach the playoffs, just to get a few more wins. Right. But that yeah. only goes so far, right? That like you can get too cute, and it's like so. It's like it's like a really interesting like life lesson in a lot of ways. If you want to like extrapolate it too far, I mean, you had the Lakers last year, right? They sort of like ebbed and flowed. They really kind of like picked their spots, and then you know they have a few untimely injuries. LeBron had the ankle, and all of a sudden they're like plunging. And I mean, there was this inflection point with like three weeks left in the season last year, where you're kind of like, is this gonna happen? And then all of a sudden like. This is gonna happen, right? They had that Mm -hmm. loss to the Blazers at the end of the year, and you're like, "Oh man, this is like they're in the plan. This is a this is crazy. You never expected it." And LeBron's Mm -hmm. criticizing it, and now it's like his like only chance of making the playoffs is gonna be from the nine seed. But you know, I I just you know, you wonder if these guys get too cute sometimes, where they've been trying to manage the roster in all these specific ways, and meanwhile, you know, Brooklyn has a long way to go to get out of the plan. I mean, they're you know they're I think five and a half games out of the sixth seed, which is just, again, with, you know, 16 games left is like a, is a huge road to hell. I mean, at this point it's sort of like a foregone conclusion and, and, and luckily, you know, if they can stay in the seven, eight, you have two cracks at it. And, you know, especially if you're in the eight seed, the first crack, I guess the ironic part is the seven, eight seed, unless the rules change, Kyrie's not playing in either of those games. Right, Toronto, right. He can't go to Toronto and he can't. Play oh, all right. People. Yeah. So, well, that, that adds an interesting element. It's kind of wild to me. but
0: when you when you talk about the guys that are or the approach of, you know, making sure everyone is properly arrested for the playoffs, I can't help but just picture Michael Jordan just shaking his head and thinking this this younger generation, because his whole thing was, you know, you're you're paid the amount of money you are to play 82 games and uh, this needing to rest up before the playoffs, you know, doesn't fly with the older generation, but uh, I guess the science sort of backs it up now that, uh, that, that it is a, it is a real thing, but uh, yeah, you start flirting with disaster like, like Brooklyn's doing. But the big, big question of that is when will uh, Ben Simmons come back, but more on him in a second. Uh, the Joker is continuing to make his case for MVP, uh, a repeat MVP. On Sunday, he scored 46 points, 30, which were in the fourth quarter and overtime period. Uh, seems that Joker's strongest argument for MVP is not his impressive stats, but the fact that he has the worst supporting cast in the league, although maybe maybe not much for longer with uh, possibly those guys coming back. Uh, Murray, of course. Yeah. And... Uh,
1: what he does like i implore anybody listening here if you have not watched a denver nuggets game recently like just spend 45 minutes watching part of a nuggets game i mean the way jokic moves i mean he he's gone like matrix level at this point almost like it's like it's like neo like realizes that he's like in the matrix right and he can kind of like you know what Jokic does and some of the passes he tries to make, which always gets talked about, but even just the way he moves with the ball. Like I remember me watching like every game of the series when they played the Blazers and lost in the second round a couple years ago. Right. And you're like, man, this guy's amazing, but really, he really labors at certain times to really carry the offense and score. His passing is generational, but like the scoring stuff, you know, if you get him to shoot a three, it's like kind of like fortunate, you know, he shoots like 32%. It's still dangerous, but you just, You'll take it versus like him eating in the post, et cetera, et cetera. And now you watch him and like, there's this clip I was watching. And it's like, he catches at the extended post. He kind of like backs down a little bit. He kicks for like a curling three, which ends up not getting like, I think Monte Morrison ended up not shooting it. And he sort of like backs it back out. And as he's backing it back out, Right after the pass, Jokic V cuts out to the elbow extended (laughs) and catches and then hits a one-legged fadeaway three and and cans it. And you're just like, "Wow, okay, you went from that. I mean, it was like such a vintage Dirk. Yeah, I was going to say, that's Dirk's move. It's the evolved version of vintage Dirk because right, Dirk, you know, he was a great shooter, obviously, but that mid-range is where he kind of killed. And obviously later in his career became much more of a three-point shooter. But I mean if he came up today versus the sort of late to, you know, the mid to late two thousands, he would, he would be, that's exactly what he would do. Right. I mean, he would live at the three point line, I think, and you know, kind of move around the nail a little bit, but watching Jokic do what he does, where he sort of just realized, like, I guess I'm the guy. And, you know, as we we talked about, right. Murray Porter are all hurt. And the rest of the cast of the characters is pretty revolving themselves. And, and he's just kind of just, just does his thing. He gets these guys open looks all the time. He's he's shooting the ball well. He's you know, he goes in the post. It's just I can't remember a player who so fluidly sort of varies up his game at like all three levels, right? It's yeah. just he, he he'll get in the post He'll drive, he'll catch it at the nail, catch it at the elbow extended, and then he'll, he'll work around the three-point line himself. And and he kind of does all of it fluidly, right? It's like this thing that I think really, really talented scorers can do is that not only do they have the skills to do it, but they sort of have the, the, the wherewithal and the willingness to sort of take what is given mm-hmm. versus, you know, this is my move, right? Harden is like, I get the ball. And at, at the three point line and I kind of rip through and I do my step back or I do my step back and then go by you and try to draw a foul. Right. And it's like, great. It's effective. It, it's really efficient, blah, blah, blah. But like the aesthetic component of it is, is very repetitive, right? It's like when you find the hack in the video game and you like, okay, I'm going to XRB XRB XRB. Right. It's like <laughs> I'm just going to do the same thing over and over again because it works, which is what sort of the guys like harden and some of the other guys have really figured out. Whereas, you know, Jokic is just this savant. I mean, Curry's even kinda yeah. like the, the kind of the, the he has some really unique abilities, but even his is really repetitive. I mean it's like awe-inspiring because watching guys just rain 30 footers is like a totally different experience too. But like Jokic has this visual aesthetic that I think is like so fun. I mean it's yeah. he just he, he can kind of get it at all three levels and really he, he takes what is given. And all while
0: distributing, too. I mean, I think yeah. that
1: that combination has just kind of blown me away.
0: And, and becoming thinking... even more of a monster on the boards. I mean, oh, he's, totally. had, he's had games where he's like, you know, 18 boards by the end of the third quarter. And then he sets the whole fourth quarter. It doesn't get any more. But uh he just kills the boards, too. Well, and that's
1: what's so – I think it's so interesting. It's he has – He's really like matured in all these different facets. Like every year he just keeps getting better. I mean, there's a sort of Giannis component to him, and obviously his improvement is much more around his, his skill set than the you know the the feel stuff that is so natural to Jokic and Giannis really had to work at, right? But he's just continued to get better. And and there's sort of this weird, you know, if, if you think about it, there's been a rash of like two time back-to-back MVPs. It's like somebody comes on the 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 scene kind of has the narrative around their ascendance they win the MVP and then they like come back like with the vengeance even better. And then they like never win it again. It's like, I mean, it totally feels like that's what's going to happen again with Jokic is we're going to totally underappreciate what he does for the next six years because he won the back-to-back ones. Right. I mean, whether it was, you know, you had, you had the Nash ones in the mid aughts, right. You had, I mean, (laughs) even the Giannis ones a couple years ago, like, you know, Giannis, Giannis is going to have to do something like astronomical out of this world to win one again. He's going to be in the conversation every year for the next five to eight years. But yeah. I think to win another one, oddly enough, he's going to have to really do something just totally crazy, right? Because we're just, you get voter yeah. fatigue. And right. I think that's going to happen to Jokic too. But this year, man, hooey. Like it's just, yeah. it's just amazing to watch the way he has not only carried the roster, but just again, the, how fun he's to watch. It's just, yeah. you just kind of like. I can't imagine the way he kind of just motors around. I mean, especially for kind of a big, chubby guy. I mean, he's slender than he's used to be, but he's still like—he just
0: keeps moving. It's kind of wild. <laughs> he needs just a little bit of the chubbiness, though, just the right amount. Yeah. Because like when, that one time where he lost a bunch of weight, he's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of getting thrown. I'm kind of getting tossed around around the basket. You know, I I need some of that weight, but uh, trying to strike a, a balance with that. Well, I just as, I know as reminds, most people are. And
1: then we talk about physique and physical athletes, and just. Especially for these guys that are really good. It's like the Billy Bean scene in Moneyball where he's like if he's talking to all the original scouts, he's like, For God's sake, we're not selling jeans. It's like <laughs> you just kinda of remind you, like, Oh man, these guys really, you know, right. they can do some things. I mean, it helps to right. be, you know, LeBron James, right? But yeah, um, you know, Jokic is doing all right for himself regardless.
0: But, but you do have to always factor in if it if it's valuable to transform your body. Like I mean, Steph Curry is bulked up, but that's been only a positive for him. Was it a good move for Tiger Woods to build his body like a free safety in the NFL? I don't know. Uh, some thought he had the perfect physique, the wiry physique for golf. So I, I think you probably want to find, you want to add muscle, but you don't want to transform sort of your your natural physique. I, I, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I don't have the science on that uh, I'm, I'm no expert in kine- kinesiology is that the word yeah I'm no Kinesi- expert exactly in that, <laughs> no I think you're right I mean I think that is
1: I think there's like a moment you hear these guys I mean it's like a it feels like a very common thing in the NFL at this point is you hear these stories of these guys that you know all all of us you, the combine just happened right you hear these guys that are like 40 inch vert 4 four forty, and they're six, three, two fifteen, and you're like this is not a this is not a right this is this is not this is not a human being this is like a cyborg more than a human and meanwhile, like 18 months later, you find out that their bicep got torn off their arm and you're like, oh, that makes <laughs> more sense. Like there's, there's, there's something going on here. Right. It's like, oh, they tore their quad. It's like, yeah, right. It's for the roots kind of a weird muscle to tear, I guess. Uh, right. And so you hear these stories. Mean, it's like it, it, t- it reminds me of like the, some of the steroid injuries you used to hear about with like baseball players. Where it's like oh, yeah. oh, they like tore their calf yeah. running to first base. and You're like, wait, what no, in the first uh, base?
0: What was that? Sammy Sosa um, pulled a muscle in his back when he was sneezing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like these, these bodies are not how they're supposed to be. Well, whatever the off-season regiment that the Joker is doing with the brothers, uh, it, it is working. I I assume it's just something very unorthodox. We do probably involves trees and knives. Maybe something from trees like you knives, know the movie man. the movie Rock, Rocky Rocky Four his training regimen in the, in the woods in the <laughs> snow, something like that. It,
1: it does really feel like that's probably where, uh, w-
0: w- how it's working, how we how he keeps that Sevelte physique. <laughs> but Bill Walton said recently that the Joker has moved our universe to a better place uh I couldn't agree more was it a batman he reference or was it a nuggets game <laughs> it was a nuggets <laughs> okay just been just checking in I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah
1: you never know i mean did you see that walton was talk, brought up russia and the ukraine in in a broadcast and, the, and his mic got cut
0: yeah and he it was uh, amazing
1: uh, i mean it's like now I mean, did his so mic many... get cut or
0: did he stop himself I, i'm not sure oh, if that's been confirmed I, because I, do you give him that much credit well i think even walton had a moment where like oh uh my career might be over if i uh, if, or my life might be over if I don't phrase this right. <laughs> I there's a, there's sure. a lot of NBA fans around the globe is all I'm saying. Yeah. Fair, fair. I don't know, but
1: it was a college game at least. I mean, I think that's like, I just, I really wish we got to hear Walton riff on, on the, uh, uh, what's happening in, uh, in Ukraine right now, Be just because I'm sure it would be cool. <laughs> I mean, the guy.
0: I mean, he's actually remarkably we, we,
1: sort of like a worldly person, right? I mean, it's not like he's just some, oh. um, you know. Uh, I think Walton's
0: a genius on every like level. Brilliant. Politics, uh, basketball. Uh, he, yeah, he's a savant for for everything. I think. Well, he did comment. Remember when the the UCLA players had the uh, shoplifting thing in China? Yeah. I think it was. One, was it one of the Ball brothers? Uh, no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Angelo? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Walden Walton said. It was that other Baldwin. Said, <laughs> Is that Steven? Danny? Danny, Danny Bolin? <laughs> he said I would like to apologize on behalf of the entire to the entire human race on behalf of of UCLA for what those players did. So oh, he's not no. afraid to just, you know, get himself in there, make some comments. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean good, you know
0: good for him. I, I just t- taking that personal responsibility. <laughs> but we won't it's... mention what he said about that senator from Iowa years ago or decades ago, Larry. <laughs> you know we'll go any further on that. I got some more things to, to cover We're here, too. But... Okay, uh, we, we mentioned Ben Simmons earlier. The Nets have said that Ben Simmons will join the team for their upcoming game in Philly and will sit on the bench. This was also breaking today, uh, which begs the question, why? Why? Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm confident. I'm sure the city that booed Santa Claus and small children will will be forgiving and and kind to to Ben Simmons. Uh, is this like uh, what we call exposure therapy in the mental health field? Like yeah, I, you know, get him out there and not playing, but the the next level, just in the arena where he's going to get booed forever. Well,
1: I, I thought it was kind of
0: you know. Silly that there
1: there was strong rumors that they were going to hold him out through the Sixers game, right? That that he was kind of you know getting quote unquote back in shape, which was just code for like holding him out until after the Philly game, which you know I felt like they probably could have been even more obvious and like brought him back and then just have him skip the Philly game. Like lots yeah. of guys skip. Right, I mean, right, the right. entire golden state roster didn't go to Denver like two nights ago. So it feels like Simmons could probably skip the game in Philly and, and no one would look askance at it. I mean, yeah. people would complain, but you kind of move on with their life You're right. now, but now that the fact that they are holding him out of the game, but taking him to Philly, it feels like a questionable choice, right? You wonder kind of what, what Kenny Atkinson is thinking. What Steve Nash is thinking, what Kyrie Irving is thinking. I mean, the holocracy is maybe getting out of control when uh, they they brings they bring Simmons in, and maybe maybe they're all getting fed up with Simmons already, and they just want to really really get you know move, move up move up or move on. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay, we'll see if that story has legs. Uh, but his uh, Simmons injury status caption now reads: day to day, if he makes it out of Philly alive first. Um. <laughs> But uh, we, we wish him well, of course. Uh, we would I would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that a significant historical achievement was accomplished this week when Greg Popovich tied Don Nelson for the most coaching wins in NBA history. Uh, Popovich, of course, had ties to Nelson in Golden State. Um, when asked for a comment, Nelson said he's regretting that he didn't retire and start smoking pot earlier since the record was broken in his lifetime. Uh, no, it's a little joke. I'm sure he shouldn't, couldn't be any happier for Popovich. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Popovich couldn't care any less. Well, that's the thing. So Popovich, you know, he, he is not the self-indulgent type. We would expect him to continue to lavish praise on Tim Duncan and won't be talking about much the, uh, about the reward much, but somewhere, Michael, somewhere, Bob Hill will be weeping and plotting his revenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's so the untold story of the Popovich career. Oh, it's is it, Bob it's really Hill. <laughs> these
1: guys, they live on in these worlds that they they kind of created their own kingdoms, right? They're kings in their own kingdoms, yeah. and you know, meanwhile, you know, they they got there on the backs of many men like Bob Hill. I mean, that's that's the that's the fact of the matter. Tim Duncan's I mean, holding it up, but Bob Hill was the stairs to get there.
0: Right. I mean, if I remember the sequence of events correctly. It was a long time ago, but the year before they had the really bad year to get in the lottery, to get Duncan, it was, it was you know, Robinson, Dave Robinson got the bad injury, so he was out for most of the season, so they won, like, you know, whatever, 15 to 20 games. But the year before that, I think, was when they played the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. They had the, the best – they were the number one seed – and really the, they played the a the team YouTube video in the history of youtube yes when elijah one you're talking about elijah one just working yes
1: it opened the opening sequence is that D- david robinson is getting his mvp trophy yes and the and then it proceed then then the following five minutes is the chemo elijah one eviscerating david robinson in that series
0: yes and as as robert Ori told us the story i think we may have said it on here before but Ori was standing next to Akeem Olajuwon when Robinson was being handed the trophy. And, and Akeem said, that's my trophy. Just whispered it where I think no one else, no one else heard it. Which to me is uh, one of the best lines in NBA history in light of what he did to him afterward. But the point is, and that was, you know, Bob Hill had to handle all the Rodman stuff. Really, that, that's, that Rockets team was destined to, to go all the way. So Bob Hill didn't get... Because of David Robinson's injury, Hill got thrown under the bus. Popovich took over, and I always remember when he got interviewed after he took over, he said, You have to be crazy to be doing what I'm doing right now. Because he was the GM, obviously had the power to shake things up, yes. but to promote himself. And I remember thinking, like, who is this guy? This that's so egotistical to be like, look at what I'm doing. This is, you know, bold of me to do it. You're taking the team over at a low point. You're gonna get Robinson back. You're gonna be. You're, you're gonna have a chance at a draft pick that turns out to be Tim Duncan. So, yes, Popovich has proved himself to be a, a great coach, well respected. His accolades speak for themselves. Sure, he could be nicer with sideline reporters. Uh, he's always an interesting, intriguing guy. But we have not forgotten what he did to Pop Hill, because <laughs> <laughs> then Hill right gets. A, well, he ends up. Coaches the Sonics for a couple years, but then ends up in like Fordham or Colgate. No, he was mean, from things went downhill quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean he, I, I was so scarring that he that he coached at Fordham. I think he might have just wanted to live in New York for a few years and, and get the get the heck out of San Antonio. Probably <laughs> what the what the case was there, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, really. So but congratulations to him for for uh, I don't know, they don't they're not playing tonight, so he will break the record probably. Of course, the Spurs are struggling this year. It might be a little bit. I just but, uh, I
1: don't understand what Popovich is like. I mean, in Ryan's whole perspective is that this is like his scheme, right? It just like keep getting them checks, as Jalen Rose likes to say. And maybe that's the case, but it just I can't imagine a guy who who was so competitive for so long, right? Just just building the, the the community and the culture in San Antonio and and kind of rolling with with Tony Manu and 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 Duncan and doing the whole thing and. That he's like super stoked to come to work every day and and coach a twenty five and forty team with Keldon Johnson and Dejounte Murray. Like it's not exactly mm-hmm. something that you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm really excited to now trade Derek White for like table scraps. Like it's just what a weird way for him to sort of like wrap up his career, right? I mean, because he's obviously old, you know, he's up there in age, and he's it's 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 a situation where there's not there's no there's no quick way out right and that's the thing i think with i mean i mean by and large small market franchises and the nba in general and i think specifically in san antonio they have i think they've had some ownership changes too that i think have resulted in some uncertainty about how the the franchise is going to move forward and you just Popovich, just you know as much of he's had some of his foibles with with the way he's treated people it's he is right kind of an all-timer and so you, it'll be curious to see what his exit strategy kind of is right it's like yeah. it just it doesn't kind of go out with the bang that you'd hope or even just in a way that's a competitive where you know he's truly a lifer and you know yeah. that's celebrating a lot of ways but also kind of <laughs> you kind of wonder like what, what what gets him excited for work <laughs> every day now
0: have, have you ever seen the movie there will be blood with daniel day lewis <laughs> no no paul, paul thomas know. anderson movie I think it won Best Picture some you know 15 years ago or so. Uh, But Daniel Day Lewis, one of the greatest acting performances ever. Uh, But basically, he he starts his own oil company in like in the California oil rush, I think like early 1900s. And uh, he he strikes. He does so well that he gets to a point where he's like the big oil companies are coming to him and they basically want to buy him out. And he has this meeting, the sit-down meeting with these, you know, big oil guys. And they're like, Hey, we're going to make you a millionaire, uh, you know, seven times over or whatever. Um, and then he asks him, he goes, and and what, what do you, what should I do with myself then? What do you suggest I do with myself at that point? And they're like, what? Like, well, we're going to give you millions of dollars. Like, but what would I do? (laughs) And and I think that is, that's, (laughs) that's the big question for a lot of people is like that that's your identity is you put your heart and soul into it whether you're hitting it big with winning titles or you're just struggling to get in the playing tournament that they do they do thrive on on the grind so a lot of people would be good to go to a sunny place and just lay by the pool and play golf and enjoy the evening cocktails uh but uh popovich i remember once he said if i went up like i go on vacation what What do I do? Like read a book? You know, I'm a, I love that vacation. I love reading a book on vacation. A lot of people do, but Bobovich is like, no, I need a challenge. I need this. So he, I think that that's the criteria for these lifers. Ryan's talked about it a lot that these guys that, and we have too, it's like, even if it's, if it's bad for their health, um, they, I think that's actually the thing that's that almost drove him out. Is I think like a couple of years ago there was some some heart concerns, but um, it seemed to be a, a a short-lived thing. So and he's, I mean, what late? He got a Peloton now, I mean, actually, so yeah. I think he's doing better now. <laughs> so I mean, he hit his personal pinnacle of getting the gold medal. So, but if that's not enough to for him to leave on a high note, I think he will continue coaching until his health. We'll prevent him from doing so, but sure,
1: sure. <laughs> follow. He'll follow in the steps of Hubie Brown, and he'll take over that position. it will just be like the the the, uh, the ageless
0: wonder. Uh, I remember when Hubie, when he came back and he was coaching Memphis. I think he won Coach of the Year. He had a nice run there, and no one ever knew him from anything but the announcing at that point. But he, he would. He had a couple times where he was like fainting on on the yeah, court like he was he not in good shape it was like yeah but here he is you know whatever late 80s early 90s still he's going 90, on the mic yeah it's amazing yeah, i mean he, he, he's still the best i mean it's oh like, yeah you know
1: it, it's fun to have watched now some of these broadcast guys you know there was sort of like i always call it the aikman archetype because i think aikman actually he's gotten better now but like he kind of you know he's just like good looking like blonde-haired quarterback who just like <laughs> got in the booth and like didn't ever really say it. it was like an empty suit kind of as I come in from a broadcast perspective. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of like NBA guys who are similar to that. And it's been, did you get, did you catch Redick on the call at all? In, uh he did, he did like the ESPN like C game in uh, Philly here mm, a couple no. days ago. I mean, it was no. it's just fun. It was, he was great. I mean, it's like, he has, you know, a really unique insight in the game. And he's he was able to sort of do that thing that some of these great announcers do, right? I think Doris Burke's actually pretty good at it. And then Hubie's great at it, too, where they, they, they do – they weave in – they don't treat the audience like they're dumb. Like they weave in some of the, like, strategic aspects or the scheme components of how a team's defending a certain player or how, like, the sets that they're running on offense – and meanwhile, sort of hits on some of the other dynamics interpersonally and things like that. And so it's like, it's just fun to watch some of these better guys. It makes me yearn for like Van Gundy and Mark Jackson to get sent to pasture because they like, meanwhile, they still hate basketball. <laughs> they just okay. keep showing up for their paychecks.
0: It's like, okay. it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to cover a couple, just a couple other things here, just a quick uh, round the league. We've already mentioned Celtics are rolling, Bulls are contenders but can't beat into good teams. C.J. McCollum has been a godsend for the Pelicans. The Suns are holding down the fort without Chris Paul, and the Sacramento Kings still suck. That's uh, that's my wrap up. Do you have anything <laughs> they, else to they, add? You hit it.
1: <laughs> the Kings are amazing. Like they make these deals where they trade Halliburton to go get Sabonis to like make a like run at the plan, right? Like to break the streak. And meanwhile, they're like still. I still think they're four games behind or five, three games behind the Blazers, who've been trying to tank since they like traded McCollum a month three weeks ago. Like it's just, it just cracks me up. Some of these inept, these teams, with this, the level of ineptitude that uh, some of these teams exhibit at times. But yeah. no, I mean, I I just think it's it's really fun. You know, again, I've hit on this so many times, but it gets me more and more excited the closer we get to April and the start of the first round. Is the first round is going to be a war? I mean, in in like yeah. so many you know it's just a total battle uh, among all these teams that are you know have championship aspirations whether they're fair or not i mean the nets are the eighth seed right i mean the lakers and the clippers are 8 and 9 in the East, in the western conference and then you kind of go up the ladder and and no one is particularly i mean phoenix is a bit of a juggernaut but we'll kind of you know you'll see we'll see um but no one else is particularly scared of anyone else. Like it's, I think there's a yeah. there's like a style mix fights element to the playoffs that's going to come. Right? It'll be interesting to see how the the matchups shake out. We were talking about that earlier. It's just the playing component will matter for one and two much more than it has in the past. If the you know the Lakers, if the Clippers get Kawhi and PG back, that's like, uh, and they're the eighth seed or the seventh seed, and all of a sudden you know they're playing Phoenix or Memphis or Golden State or whoever ends up being in the two. You know that's a totally different conversation than a traditional seven seed and and I think that kind of makes for really fun narratives as we come to the playoffs I mean mm-hmm. is there any matchup that like as we as we kind of see things come together that you know you particularly get excited about I mean whether it's in either conference I mean I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of fun potential there but is there anything where you're like I really want you know I mean I know the one I have is <laughs> i mean philly brooklyn is gonna be absolutely amazing <laughs> like if, if, it, if that's what ultimately happens yeah. like i i i just I'd love to see I, that i hope with all my being whether i mean miami might and I mean they're three games up for the one seed so i guess brooklyn would have to win the plan the seven eight plan to to get it if if philly holds on to the two but man that would be i mean if you're philly you're almost like aren't you kind of hoping to play Brooklyn to a certain degree? Like you're just, you're assuming you're playing yeah. a team with like Ben Simmons, like really right. castrated. Like they could just be a disaster. Yeah. But is there any other teams where you're like excited about, you know, the, the potential for what that looks like?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you have a good point that they're, I think they're all going to be intriguing matchups. I feel like all of the ones in the East are going to be as, is equally exi- exciting. Um, I think in the, in the West, um, I mean, gosh, uh, you know, Denver, Utah would be good again to see how Utah would respond to uh, uh, what happened a couple of years ago. But yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but I do think I think just watching Memphis. I mean, say Memphis, if they're two, would they be playing? Would it be the Timberwolves or Minnesota or LA? Probably. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think we're all just gonna be excited to see if if. Uh, Jacques can take Memphis to another level. Um, but I'm even kind of intrigued, like a team like the Timberwolves. I know you know they've got their issues, and uh, but I, I, I at least think they can make it a competitive series, whoever they play. Well, man, um, the
1: Timberwolves are fun because it's like what they have they have that offensive firepower, like that's kind of needed in the playoffs, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. they may. They they may not win a series. They probably won't win a series, right? But they they if they do get in, you know, because again they're probably going to be in the plan in all likelihood. Like if they do get in, they have you know, cat is you know outside of Jokic and Embiid is like you know one of the, like the best you know offensive big men in like de- in like like multiple decades. I mean yeah. he's like so so adept at scoring. Yeah. And I mean, he's in I mean, he's on the three point contest. He's like one of the best <laughs> shooting big men of all time, if not like, you know, him and Dirk, I guess, right? So it's just, there's this like interesting dynamic with even them that you kind of wonder what it looks like. Now, they can't really defend a lick, so that's yeah. probably a little bit of an issue. And they don't, their depth is, leaves something to be wanting too. Um, but, you know, you're right. I, I, that is even fun too, because it is. It seems like it just could be wild. Like there's a bit of like an NCAA tournament March Madness feel to it. And all the series are long and upsets are probably mm-hmm. not going to happen as much as we think they are. But the parody level, when I mean, you're talking about, you know, there's probably like 12 teams that are, that have true re, like realistic championship, you know, caliber in, in whatever the metric or bar is this year, right? It's just, yeah. you, you kind of, they really do have it. I think one of the other matchups I get really excited about is right now, the three, six is Cleveland, Milwaukee, which Milwaukee, mm. I think is, is, a. F- I mean, they really unlock something sort of in that end of the second round. You know, Giannis obviously did it himself, but also then Middleton and drew um, to, uh, to their own kind of versions that of really re- figured out how to, I mean, Lack of a better term, sort of beast. Other teams like they're just they're just bigger than everyone, right? Like Middleton, even for like a two guard, is sort of big. You know, Swingman, you know, Holiday, you know, is big. We've you know ever since they like abused the little like mini me point guards in Portland and that that sweep in the first round a couple of years ago, you know, he's big. Giannis is his own sort of beast, and what's interesting is the the lineups that Cleveland rolls out pretty regularly. I mean, Allen got hurt, but if it's like Allen and Mobley particularly in a front line, they have a, a a level of length that most yeah. teams can't match. Yeah. Right. And so the Bucks all of a sudden one of their their kind of calling cards is neutralized to some degree, and I'm curious to see how that you know, how that translates, you know, in a series because again, You know, there's probably other stuff. The Bucks will probably ramp up their D, they'll probably isolate on Garland and all of a sudden the 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 scoring problems that Cleveland has otherwise, you know, you know, there's a lot of marketing open jumpers at that point that you're not totally in love with. But, you know, that series right there to me kinda has a lot of interesting corollaries, especially to understand if the Bucks are sort of like waiting to flip a switch or if the Bucks are, you know, the kind of actually have some problematic issues because of lopez being hurt and Mm -hmm. lack of depth and all of the issues that have kind of been bandied around i'm kind of curious to see that it's really fun like a lot of times you don't see those things potentially come out this fast right like you don't in the first round of the playoffs you usually have to wait you know to the second round even to the conference final sometimes you know especially in like the old lebron days you're like i don't know how good these Cavs teams are and then it's like Oh wait! They just beat the Raptors 4-0 again. Like, right, right. <laughs> so um, that, that's when I get Cord really DeRozan. About. Yeah, I mean, um, right? DeRozan's probably gonna mount it up for it again, right? It's like <laughs> it's like Jay Cardi's say he's like good enough to get you beat. Like it's just he's he's so funny to me that like that he he's in that way again, and you know it's it's it is wild to me. But
0: okay, here's one I would love. Um, I would love a rematch between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I think that would be fun. I feel like that that was such a memorable series last year. So I don't know if that would have to maybe be a a second round thing. But if I can we go beyond the first round just to kind of rank oh, hit me. some of the best. So yeah, I would say uh, it would probably be it would probably be Brooklyn and 76ers would be number one. And then I'd say yeah, uh, Brooklyn Milwaukee. Um, and then Golden State Memphis uh, in the second round, if they beat the two and three seeds, right? If they meet up, sure. that would be an awesome series. Um, and then in the finals, I'd like to see 76ers and Suns.
1: Oh, <laughs> do we call it the Mikkel Bridges Bowl? Yeah. Which is like, what a funny... The Suns are wild to me because they have... It's, it's sort of like... I think after their finals run, they it was obviously banded around, right? Like, oh, what an easy path. All the injuries, right? Murray got hurt. The Lakers fell apart, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, right? Like they were on the verge of winning the title, and then again, Giannis sort of cracked the matrix. And but it's funny watching them see this year. It's like obviously they it's been talked about some, not maybe not as much as it should, but I mean they're a juggernaut. I mean, they're seven and a half point point differential. they're fifty two and thirteen. And that's like with a number of losses here in the last like six or seven games because of, you know largely I mean CP got hurt right and that's yeah. like kind of the engine that makes them go, but it's it's amazing watching them is is because they strike that balance of like no bad players which makes them a good regular season team but like also all the guys they play I mean we saw in the playoffs last year a lot of the guys they play like are good like campaign yeah, Payne, yeah. You know, Cam Johnson just got Bridges back to, yeah right like you have all these these different kind of things you can throw out there ayton right obviously he's living his best life he had another pull up three yesterday or two days ago <laughs> Crack me up like it's, it's like yeah. the stuff that you do when when dad's gone right but you know <laughs> phoenix is like that that that's what's really going to be interesting to me is the way they've been able james jones has gotten a lot of criticism and he's made a lot of questionable choices and it's like still it's like really working out right and it's 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 fun to see phoenix kind of come together again and prepare for the run and and I and and, and all that said I'm still you know s- curious how the western conference plays out I mean we might find ourselves in like two and a half months and they're in the finals and they like just rolled and you kind of go wow we was there the whole time and we missed it but you know it does seem like there's you know there's a bit more parody than maybe it seems like just because you know, a lot of these teams have the ability to get up and go if they need to. Right. And that's, that, that's, it's going to be really fun, you know, come, come playoff time. I mean, right. So, I mean, it's just wild how close it is now.
0: Yeah. It just seems like with the Suns, I mean, last year we saw uh, Aiden toward the end of the season, just take things to another level. And then he was, you know, really good in the playoffs this year. I think he's, I mean, he's had some injuries at times, but you know once he gets rolling like he's in good shape but like you like you mentioned cam johnson it just seems like he's taken his game to another level this year um and getting pain back is huge i mean he's he's a really good substitute for for paul he could never be paul but he definitely fills a gap there so um i do think i mean i guess i predicted them to uh to win it all now i'm shifting to the 76ers which uh you think I wouldn't abandon ship since they've been the best team in the league? Um, <laughs> I know, uh, right.
1: Just when you, just when you're coming to roses, man, you yeah. you I mean, it is kind like, uh, they're they like prohibitively the best team in the league, like by yeah. a, like a substantial margin. And, and, and meanwhile, we're all, again, we're all kind of treating it like it's, you know, nothing, it's not something that we can rely upon. So I am. I'm really curious how it's gonna kind of transgress. Come,
0: come, come the 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 real fireworks. Yeah, I still have so, to ask. I know we probably shouldn't do this. You know, six weeks before the playoffs. But right now, who who would be your favorite to win it all? Since I I revealed mine.
1: Oh, I I actually do think. I think there's a pretty high probability. I mean, I, I think I would ex- – I expect kind of a Phoenix-Milwaukee rematch. I, oh, I still have a lot of faith that nice. Milwaukee has the juice here once they get to the playoffs. And we'll see if Middleton is – a, there's nothing that indicates to me that like Middleton is not – can't become Middleton again. Maybe he can't become playoff Middleton like he was last year where he really was like in the like upper, upper echelon. Of of like elite guards, but he can. I still think there's no reason to think he can't have a really nice playoff run. And I mean, drew's had a really nice year. I mean, I saw a stat today. I think he's like seventh in the league in ISO points per possession, which has just kind of blew my mind. Like it's not yeah. I, that's not the kind of the rep he has. um So to be be creating at that level and that level of efficiency is. Again, a thing that translates well, especially for a guy who didn't have a very good playoff last year. I mean, mm-hmm. he you know he had one of the biggest He's plays of the game finals, in, but, in that yeah. game six, but you know he defended both Paul and Booker so well. But you know, otherwise, you know, offensively, really struggled. And so, if they get more from there, and then Giannis turns into Giannis, you know, you kind of wonder like, is there is there any sort of operation that can't? that that can kind of surpass that. And again, I I always get hesitant to like revisionist history of this. I mean, they're a foot on the line away from the nets doing, you know, being in the conference finals. And meanwhile, like there does feel like there's a point of demarcation where Giannis really figured something out. And and you've seen the stretches at times in this regular season where you're like, Oh yeah, that's the Giannis I remember. And you know, it'll be, we'll see again how it kind of comes I I still have a lot of faith that that's where it's headed, but yeah. And it seems
0: like, like, the the doubts that people have about the Bucks right now is the very same doubts that they had toward the or at the beginning of the playoffs last year or in the second round. So the ability for them to come together, um, if they did it last year, there's no reason they can't do it this year unless Brooke Lopez plays a bigger role than we realize, um, and he's the linchpin to that team. I don't know. Well, and <laughs> actually
1: I think what's interesting is I think Lopez doesn't concern me about the playoffs all that much. I think He's obviously valuable. You'd rather have him than not. But I actually mm-hmm. think it matters less having him not in the playoffs. And it happens. It, it's a bigger impact from a regular season perspective because mm-hmm. he's like a guy who would just you plug and play him for 30 minutes a game. He runs his drop coverage. He defends the rim. He shoots threes. He just does his kind of thing. And it produces positive results. But then you get into the playoffs and again, right, you know, having no bad players versus having really good players is sort of the difference there. And all of a sudden you're in the playoffs and he's getting put in every pick and roll and the drop coverage thing is not working. Right. And you have like KD or, you know, Kyrie or Darius Garland or Jason Tatum, just like hitting like, uh, you know, uncontested pull-up jumpers because, you know, Drew Holiday is trying to fight over a screen where he doesn't have the requisite support. Right. And so I think that to me is like, there was you know if you look at this game log from the playoffs last year I mean there was there's games where he wasn't playing much more than 15 or 20 minutes I mean it sure, wasn't yeah. he was not a consistent key cog he was very situational <clears throat> in terms of like the role he played and that's where portis really elevated and so obviously portis being a full-time center like he's been this year is probably a little out over his skis but once you get into the playoffs portis playing 30 minutes a game probably makes a lot of sense right and then all of a sudden your rotation feels a little bit more natural because you know you might not have the juice for the for the full 82 but in the playoffs it's what makes more sense you know now all that to say you know if they go play philadelphia i was gonna say is lopez the mb stopper well that's what's (laughs) so fascinating and you wonder like i mean how fun would that be i mean that's a little bit of the really fun yeah that's a that's a a really good one perspective is like especially now that they have harden like it never felt like they had enough firepower with justin bead even though he's so great but now that they have both and and then harden really does look like you know not maybe vintage harden but something that's resembling that um you know watching Giannis and bead go go battle and then Watching Drew guarding – I mean, Drew Holiday might be, like, the picture-perfect guy to guard a guy like Harden, like, I mean, as much as there is one. And so, that's – again, it's it's a really fun I, – I, I can't understate – I can't overstate enough how excited I am for, like, the way this is all going to shake out. So, yeah. a lot of
0: basketball left, man. It's very exciting. We're getting down to the wire. Well, uh, our apologies tonight to uh, Bob Hill. He was going to join us, but he got cold feet, and he doesn't want to relive that chapter <laughs> – of his life and career, uh, he was actually he was hurt because his invitation to
1: coach camp with Coach Knight was was lost in the mail. So
0: <laughs> he's not part of the inner circle. Well, we'll uh, look forward to having Ryan back joining us uh, next week. But Michael, it was a pleasure.
1: That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the Three and D Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast, it's a triumph of the human spirit.